Tech Revenge, brought to you by Warning. You are now entering the Blue Tiger Den, the intellectual dark web of comic book podcasting. Revenge is upon you. Hit the music. That's right. It's that time again. We're back. We're back in the saddle, ready to ride into the the comic book mythos of bullshit. I am comic book creator Tad Galusha. That's right. I know. You're impressed. Big deal. It's a big deal. And with me, as you know him, as the heart and the soul, I know him as fucking i guess the new recruit to the mariners dugout the new ball boy at safeco or formerly safeco field i have no idea that's right the king of beards the one the only big brian bales how's it going big brian it's going good what's going on <laughs> uh, i'm just i'm just blown away by this this commitment to the sport so are you, are you, is it official that are you the new ball boy for the Mariners? Cause you're just completely decked out in Mariners gear right now. Oh, you know, I just am a fan and, uh, I like this hat and I would like this shirt, man. You know, <laughs> you know, like T-ball, I just set you up for a big grand slam to really just lay it thick yeah. on the old tiger Cubs. I know. And you just cranked the neck out of that tee and the ball yeah. just plopped right yep. down in the puddle. I did. I Good job. Did. Listen, Good job. listen, it's been a long it's been a long day. Okay. It's been a long day. I saw the videos. You weren't at training camp. Max was, but you were just sitting there just I did. observing. Listen, I did right? have my I brought my camp chair in, okay? <laughs> it's a lot of work. It's, it's a, a lot of work. Chair. It's, it's a heavy, heavy it's a heavy load. Uh we we're there for a long time and uh you know, after that, made a dump run. You know, had to get rid of a bunch of stuff. And wait, 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 hold up, dump run. Yeah. Oh, does that mean you had to run to the nearest bathroom? No, or does that like, mean you actually took stuff to a dump. I had to take stuff to the local city dump. I didn't have to take a dump. Well, I mean, not for the dump run, but yeah, you get what I'm saying. You get what I'm saying. <laughs> Listen, I don't take you seriously as a man if you don't do a daily dump run. You know what I mean? I, I do a, I, more than one. You got to have more than one. That's right. That's right. Oh. Uh, all right. All right. Well, how how you feeling? You're coming off. You're coming off them convention highs. Yeah. We got a big guest coming in today who's just fucking killing it yeah. on the Kickstarter right now. Yep. But we'll get into that in a couple minutes here. I want to know how's it feel. You're 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 a little light in the loafers in terms of collection. The collection's gone. It's, it's not gone. No, it's 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 not gone. It's not. No, I thought no. you unloaded majority of it. The majority of it. I unloaded a bunch of it. Yeah, I unloaded a bunch of it. Uh, it feels good, man. It feels Any? good. 
no seller's regrets at this point. No, no not at all, which is weird for me, right? Because like normally I would do yeah, that and I would be like, ah, I might need to get that again. But no, I don't have any nothing. No regrets. Um, I feel good, awesome. man. I feel That's good. Great. So uh, I do have I do have another thing I want to talk to you about. Okay, hit me. What was what, what, what do we got? I finally watch. I finally watched the new Spider Verse. Oh yeah, Spider Verse. Yeah, yeah. So. Across the Spider Verse. Across the Spider. It was awesome, man. Right, wasn't it? It was awesome. Wasn't it? So good. I don't even like Spider Man. I can't wait for the next one. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was and, great. Ended on a cliffhanger, like a like a bunch of assholes, but it was great. I mean, it was the type of bullshit that I love. Yeah. Does oh that yeah. Make sense? Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, same here. But it was so good. I didn't think they could up the ante from the last one. Right. But they did. Right. You just and the, keep finding ways to make it better. They really did. It was uh, so impressive. And I, because I, you know, I was flying around taking care of family crap. I'd go mm -hmm. down to California and stuff. Um, but I also watched the new Guardians movie. Yeah. Guardians 3. Yeah, yeah. Dude. You know what it's like to try and hold back tears. I do when you're surrounded by hundreds of strangers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you watched it on the plane. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, all that raccoon, like the, the rocket story. Oh man, the whole time I'm like, don't, don't, just come on. You're dead on the inside. Just go cold. Just cold. Nothing you affects you. And then you can't. Like, no. I talked. You know, Dude. I talked to somebody who didn't like that movie um, because they felt like the the rocket stuff was uh, exploitive was just exploitive of what i i'm not agreeing with it right i loved it i thought I know, it was a great but, movie but just well, like kind of he was he was like i just felt like they rammed it down our throats like the abuse and i didn't necessarily need to see it over and over and over and over again they only but they didn't ram it down. i i don't all it did is that it showed a part of his life where he was only really abused the one time. And that was when he was being made. Right. Um, and then other than that, he was actually kind of treated not well, but treated like a member of the community. He was still, or like, right. You know, by the, I can't remember like the villain's name, but, uh, it wasn't really until he found out that they weren't going to the new world. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, yeah, I'm going to completely disagree with that individual. I, now, here's my take on that. Is it hit that person harder than they wanted to admit? And they didn't Yeah, they didn't like any of what they saw. But the reality is, like, welcome to animal testing. You're right. Welcome to – have you ever been to – do you know what a vibarium is? Do you no. ever been to one of those? A vibarium is where they conduct – most of the times on, like, universities and large facilities that produce, you know, like Johnson & Johnson or something. Right. Um Vibariums are where they house the animals that they do the testing on. Right, right, and, right. Uh, old Dr. Wife, when I met her, that's what she was. She she was working in a vibarium. If you want to talk about death, freezers, freezers filled with animals, complete Oof. disconnect. Oof. Yeah, and it's not it's not as bad as like they showed in the show, in the movie, you know, where like, because, you know, yeah, they weren't like prisoners, <laughs> you know, but, uh, uh, but yeah, man, like it's not like a fun place to be. It's no. pretty, 
it's a bit morose, honestly. Yeah. So I thought they did a very good job. I did too. That um, I did too. Yeah. I was just I was just curious what your thought on was that like there are now for me there are certain things that were like I don't need to see in a in a on in movie or TV and if it's something that they yeah you know I like I don't need to see like someone getting like sexually assaulted you know like I don't. I don't need to see oh, that sure. on TV. Like, if, like any type of show that shows it, like nine, 99.9% of the time, I'm turning it off and I'm done watching it because I'm like, I don't need to see this. Um, yeah. You, you, there's other ways that you can do it without showing it. Um, so, yeah. I mean, oh, definitely. That, that's one of the, that's like the one thing for me that if I see something like that, it will just completely turn me off of a project, no matter how, it, how good it is. Um, yeah, I, I do think, though, in storytelling, any aspect of storytelling, there's a certain power that resonates from the amount you show. There's like, right. you know, sometimes less is more. It just depends on the situation. With Guardians 3, uh, I thought they did a really good job of giving some context to Rocket Raccoon's assholery. Yes, 100%. And, yep, yep. And I think that by making his origin story far rougher than any of the other characters – um, that, that kind of, it, it made sense. It added some serious context to his, like, I want to see more rocket raccoon stuff because of that. I always yeah. liked him, but yeah. he was a good, like the first movie, he wasn't really the focal point. He was just a fun, like secondary right. character. You know right. what I mean? The one, the one um, thing I didn't love but, about that movie, somebody needed to die, man. Like we're, we're going on a decade of these movies or more and ain't no, not, you know, no main character has died yet. Like, come on. Yeah. I mean, even like, even like black widow died and then a year later had her own movie. So it's like, (laughs) come on guys. Can we, can we start killing people off here? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's a way of keeping the door open way down the road. Sure. I mean, but it's a comic book movie. So even if you kill somebody off, you can always bring them back. It's like that would yeah, that yeah, would be yeah, exactly. totally comic books. So, how many times um, has Batman died? Yeah. I mean, shit. I mean, I guess they killed Gro- I mean, they've killed Grudoff before, so you know, it could happen. Yeah, but that's <laughs> cheap, man. That's like a CGI character, you know. True. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You tell me if they would have killed Rocket, if Rocket would have died from that blast to the chest. You that wouldn't have hit you. Oh, it definitely would have hit a CGI me. CGI character. It, it, that definitely would have hit me for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, I get your point. I can. It was see. great. It, it was a great movie, though. It was a great movie, though. You know, the, you know, they should have just killed up Star Lord. I thought they were going to kill Star Lord. Yeah, he would have been perfect. It's a good. It would have been a good send off. Also, nobody needs another Star Lord. Like no, but the, I, but in the post credits, it says Star Lord will return, and you're just like, really. Well, they showed him with his like grandpa or whatever. Yeah, there's that. That was a nice ending. I would say that scene. was a nice ending too. But you know, still, yeah. Kill I mean, him off. I guess it just keeps the door open where if they're doing something with these characters thirty years down the road, you can bring old man Chris Pratt back to do something. You know, which could be interesting. Like, I mean, they're doing it now. Look at. Well, we won't look at um, what I'm thinking of. Michael, mm. Sorry, Michael Keaton. Yeah, sorry, buddy. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. Sorry, dude. Um, what, do you, what do you say? Our guest is ready. He's ready to rock. What do you say we jump in there? Let's do it. Check one, two. Tiger Milk. 
All right, and we're back with, oh man, he has uh, become an internet legend through <laughs> yes. his Kickstarters alone. David Silva, welcome back hey. to the Tiger Den. And uh, I mean, last time we had you on, it's been a couple it's years. Been, it's been a yeah, it's been a few. It was for Beast of the Mesozoic. Yeah. I think it was. I want to say that was it the Ceratopsian campaign. I believe so. Yeah, and. Yeah. And now it's, uh, I could, I want to say it's something even, even grander in scale. Yep. Uh, Cyberzoic, just, just, just kicking ass on Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. yeah. Th- thanks for having me. It, it, it doesn't feel like it's been that long since I've been on. I know. I guess it has been. <laughs> yeah. I want to say when, I mean, when was it? Was that 2019, 2020, somewhere around uh, there? Yeah. Sarah Topsons was 2019. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, four years just went right by just like that. So, <laughs> so it was wild. it was before it was before the revenge tour. So it's been it's been yeah. a while. Because I remember I think if I remember one of the big things that you dropped while you were on the show was that you were planning on doing um like a theropod or a tyrannosaur campaign. And I believe even in the post we may have had something about like a link to like I, I think it was like real early sketch models of the Tyrannosaurus, the big scale Tyrannosaurus that you ended up doing. Yeah, yeah, that that, that could have been. I, I don't remember where I was at with it at that point, but I, I remember by the time I did the Ceratops and Kickstarter, I'd already decided to do the Tyrannosaurus, and I even had a little teaser image in the uh, the campaign for the Tyrannosaur series. Yeah, that's right. That's it, right. It was just a silhouette of a T-Rex, but you know, it got the point across. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny is I I have the big T-Rex here at the house. Yeah. And um when I'm talking to people about what I'm doing, uh they always are like, "So what are you working on next?" And I just go, "Oh, sit here, I'll be right back." And I run downstairs and I grab the big T-Rex out of my studio and bring it upstairs and be like, see this? I'm working with the guy who made this. We're getting ready to do some stuff. And there it's crazy because you watch I you know, most of the people are around like, you know, probably like I'd say late 30s, early 40s. Mm-hmm. So their concept of like action figures is like uh, you know, stuff from like late 80s, early 90s. Yep. Right. And then you show them that this, I mean, like how long? I mean, that thing is. It's got to be what, like twelve inches tall, thirteen inches tall, and twenty-seven yeah. inches long, something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's big. It is twenty-seven inches. I'm not sure how tall it is, uh, but yeah, it's probably between ten inches and twelve inches, I would guess. Yeah, and it always just like it lights people up. Like they're like the first comment I always get. Doesn't matter who it is, you know, could have been someone who's you know, like a gal that's like, I only played with Barbies. They're always like, why didn't we have this kind of stuff? Right. Here, kids? Oh my God, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's funny. I, I see those comments too. Is I, Oh, where was that when I was a kid? Yeah. Uh, but, but just like any art, we have to progress towards these things. And, right. You know, they you know, like the different methods and technologies and understanding of certain things. I mean, even if we did have all the same technologies, we'd still, be in a different place with the the paleontology you know so like right the t-rex looked different to everybody back then than it does now mm-hmm. yeah i think the closest thing you probably had on the market and i oh man it was something i dreamt about as a kid was uh the big red t-rex from the jurassic park 
Park. I almost said Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park toy line. Do you remember that yeah. that thing? Yeah. Oh, so, I mean, it made the sound when it stomped. I remember the neighbor down the road had it, and I just was like, "Oh man, I got to get this somehow." somehow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming that came out in '92. I think so. It was like right before the movie dropped when they were, yeah. you know, yeah. just marketing the crap out of it. Yeah, and, and I was I was about thirteen around that time, so I was I was done with toys by then, and I I totally missed out on all the Jurassic Park toys when I was when I, when I was younger. Okay. Um, yeah, so I I was like you know, in my head moving on from toys by that point. I I got rid of everything by that point. Oh. And, oh yeah. Uh, you know, I I thought oh it's time to become an adult, so. So I started playing more video games and reading more comic books. Yep. So right. <laughs> it, it wasn't really moving into adulthood. Video games yeah, and comic right. books, baby. Yeah. That, that's yeah. something Brian and I always joke about. Because uh, like I have a my I guess my infamous story is that after my 10th birthday i had this giant birthday party (laughs) and we trashed the house and then like literally like a couple days later i remember my dad sat me down he's like listen you're 10 now (laughs) it's time to like you got to start getting into adult stuff now you got to start growing up a little bit so he talked me into i had like all the i don't know i had like all these like marvel superhero figures and stuff and he talked me into like bagging up all of it turtles gi joes you know name it i bagged it all up and we took it to the goodwill and uh i just yeah it was one of those things where i didn't want to do it but he like had kind of convinced me that it was like well you're 10 now it's It's time time to be a man man. yeah (laughs) Yeah. you can only be into sports yeah 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 i i had i had a similar experience but uh i mean it wasn't like all at once like that but yeah there was a point where i was told you know, you got to stop playing with toys, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, so, uh, yeah, that kind of and, made me feel like, you know, a little bit of shame. And it's like, okay, well, I guess you're right. You know? So, yeah. so, uh, but still, I, I mean, we're all playing video games or you know, we're watching our cartoons. I mean, I didn't stop watching cartoons. I was still watching stuff in the nineties, the anime, the axe tick and all that stuff. Oh and, yeah. And, uh, you know, it was not really that different. It just didn't have any toys. <laughs> so Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting how all that works, right? Like, you mm-hmm. you grow up, but then, I mean, maybe now it's just, it's different. But it seemed like back then, that was well, it's like... it's all every... cool now. It's, it's cool to have True. that stuff. And now it's like, you know, with like Funkos and comics and in the Comic-Cons yeah. and everything like that. Yeah. Like, that is like... And the po- Pokemon. No, let's not mention Pokemon. You know, that's a big sure. thing at my yeah. house. So, you know. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting. I think, and David, you and I have talked about this a bit, is with the toys nowadays, it seems like they're marketed to the kids that um, are now adults that mm-hmm. have that talk with their dad or their mom. Like, it's time to be it's time to be a little man now, you know? Yep. Yeah, it, it's, it's so different now because... I think that the the adult collectors are probably more interested in toys than the children are at this point. Oh, 100%. Yeah. The kids have their their game, their the video games now and their their, you know, their iPads and all that stuff. So, um I I don't know how strong that market is anymore, but um but it does seem like our generation just kept buying toys. And Yeah. Especially once we got jobs. Now we have <laughs> so, now we have adult money, so yeah, we, we buy bigger toys. Like, yeah bigger more expensive yeah yeah it's the the watching the collector market grow over the past 10 or 15 years has been really fascinating 
And, you know, there's never been anything like it because of yeah. really because of the eighties, I think, because, be, because of what they did with the cartoons tying into the toy lines. So yep. It was the first time that ever happened yep. and created this huge new market. Everyone's throwing their ideas into the ring and like, you know, trying to see what they could get to float. And, um, a lot of that stuff is still being redone now. <laughs> so, which is, oh, I was just going to say, which is why George Lucas is, you know, say what you want about the guy directing or his writing or whatever, but the fact that he refused to sell his, <laughs> like, the toy rights to Fox because he wanted yeah. them to make toys, oh. like, yeah. that's what made him a billionaire are the toy sales. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like he, he kind of kicked off this whole thing because mm-hmm. of what hit Star Wars was and all the other companies were scrambling to try to compete. So they're like coming up with G.I. Joe and Transformers and and uh, He-Man and all this stuff. But like, how, how are we going to compete with Star Wars? And and, uh, and then those became hits and then everybody was coming up with more stuff and then yep. more stuff until until Ninja Turtles hit and every, everything just kind of fell away, it seemed like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> until power rangers but um but yeah it's 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 really interesting stuff i think uh just seeing how all that played out and we were just children just you know bystanding and you mm-hmm. know just seeing stuff at the store every once in a while we wanted and, and now like as an adult going back and kind of learning about all the history behind what was happening and uh you know seeing how that market kind of came out of nowhere yeah in a way uh, it's, it's super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes me wonder, I'm kind of, I'm still hung up on something you said about the eighties is that wonder what it was about, you know, cause you had a few, I guess, characters from before, you know, like the universal monsters have, have lasted the test of time. Right. Like you still yeah. see people rocking, even though they don't like most people, like I'll, I'll see young, young, young folks at conventions or something that will have like tattoos of Frankenstein and, you know, um, the Wolfman, all that kind of stuff. And I'll ask them, oh, are you fans of the movie? And they'll be like, no, I just love the, you know, I love Boris Karloff's look of Frankenstein. It's so rad. Yeah. Um, but I w- wonder what it is about the 80s where like things like Predator and even like early 90s stuff like Jurassic Park. It just seems like it's just it resonated in a way that other entities from like you don't see a lot of stuff from the 70s, really. You know, yeah. Star Wars, it, it, you can throw that in there too. It just seemed like all this stuff from from that time period, aliens, you know what? It all kind of like, it's all like become bigger now yeah. than it even was where people just made these movies, you know, like the other day I saw this like merch drop for like Pumpkinhead, you know, and I was like, wow, Pumpkinhead, I haven't seen that in a long time. And now it's like, you know, you can get t-shirts and all kinds of crazy shit. And I, ju- I just wonder what it is about the, that era that is... You know, th- you know. I guess thirty years later, just exploded pop culturally. I have a theory. Okay. I, I don't know if it's true, but just from observing, um, a lot of that was new back then. A lot, you know, there were a lot of new ideas coming yeah. up. Uh, a lot of studios were able to take risks and experiment. It wasn't that unusual back then. Yeah. Uh, if you look at the studios that survived to, to to modern day, they're way bigger than they were back then. Yeah, which which means they've had a lot of success over the years to become that big. Um, but I think once 
these companies become a certain size, they have to start answering to more shareholders. They have to mm-hmm. uh, pay more attention to uh, previous sales of, of uh, similar uh, IPs or whatever. And uh, basically, the the risk goes away. They they're trying to eliminate risk and go with uh, the best investment instead of coming up with the best idea. Uh, mm. So what? What we end up with is less new stuff and more uh, stuff that's based on what's come before. Um, so that's just a theory. But 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 at the time, I, I feel like I really feel like because nothing was huge yet, like not, none of the companies were. Yeah. Huge. I mean, there were a lot of big successful companies, but nothing like now. Right. And, yeah. Uh, you know, if, if they had a failure, you know, they wouldn't have as big of, of, of a consequence so now it's like they become the size that they can't really take risks mm-hmm. right that, and that makes sense so they're like padding themselves with like hey these are the old hits which merchandise the heck out yeah. of this because yeah. it yeah. creates and and they know that nostalgia sells. I mean, our generation will buy anything that yeah. still younger. So they, <laughs> that's they, true. They, they know that. And, yeah. And so I I feel like at some point the innovation switched from uh, product and IP development to marketing innovation, uh, mm. focusing more on different ways to sell anything to you, like yeah. a lot. There's a lot of creativity in marketing nowadays, and there's a lot of innovation in marketing. Right. But I don't see it as much in the actual products or the actual IPs. Uh, And that, I think, is an effect of the market share going heavily in the uh, uh, corporate direction. Yeah, yeah. And that that makes total sense. I mean, yeah, that's how you get The Flash as a movie. So... (laughs) Because oh, you know, because you know, no one, cre- <laughs> no one from a creative background was like, "Hey, this thing is great. Let's get this out there." Oh no, that was a product. It's like a lot of things lately. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, and that's another thing. The, the art, what you know, what started off as being art, and you know, things being created by artists and artists having a lot of influence, and all these companies have very talented artists. I mean, yeah, even sure. I mean, there's no doubt. It's just that the people who have the final say are the money people. So that a lot of times, you know, has a negative influence on the product, I think. Yeah, um, yeah but, when they when yeah. they think they're the creatives. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's, that's, I think, where that uh, goes wrong a lot of times. Mm-hmm. But basically, the, you know, the, the art is, is becoming commodified. And, it, you know, it's coming out so often that it's like going to the grocery store and buying, you know, your 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 fruits and your vegetables or whatever and it's like oh yeah. oh look you know, it's it's time for another star wars it's time for another marvel you know it's <laughs> and 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 you've watched so much that you just you know you're gonna watch it because you're curious but it's not special right it's just like mm-hmm. okay we just got new star wars two months ago but now we have new star wars again so but when we were kids it was you know three years in between minimum yeah. And you didn't even know there wasn't unless you were really like a hardcore fan, you didn't really know if like when something was coming up until the trailer right. dropped. And that was right. only if you yeah. happened to go to the 
theater you know it's like oh my god oh yeah 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 it was it was an event it was like like a life-changing event when you would see these things it was not something you would take for granted that they were mm-hmm. just going to keep cranking them out and yeah I, again I, I don't think that the business models will function on something like that they have to keep things in the pipeline constantly yeah and I agree. Uh, and that's you know ju- just to just to cover expenses and cover their debts and all that i mean it's just it's it's really interesting it's also crazy to think about like how yeah got, got, how it got so big like it's just a big machine it seems like mm-hmm. i gotta be honest it's kind of making me a little sad for the past uh like <laughs> it's making me kind of go like oh man there was nothing greater than i don't know finding out that they were making a movie of something or you know like you know, the, going to the theater and actually saying, like, I remember for me, you know, Jurassic Park was like a total life changing event where now I just, I just assume there's a, probably another Jurassic Park or Jurassic or whatever oh, you want to call it, just coming out the pipeline. Stand, Take a break on <laughs> yeah, I, st- I stand by that the greatest like theater experience I ever had was the, was Star Wars episode one, The Phantom Menace. Even like movie, movie, like the way the movie was didn't matter it was everybody there for the event like yeah. lightsabers everything like that like it was an event yeah. you know i'd i'd say when they brought back star wars and then like the lord of the rings dropping i yeah. feel like that might have been the last big where it was like i remember when lord of the rings came to our town mm-hmm. like uh man everybody was going like it was oh, like yeah. it was a. Uh, yeah. It was insane. Like there was just it was all anybody talking about. People who didn't give a shit about Tolkien books or anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> like right. <laughs> yeah. It was like all they talked about. Yeah. And I, I think that was kind of like maybe the the last uh, you know like of that dying like specialness because after that like you said there's this homogenization like this corporate machine just pumping stuff out after that where you just you know something's going to be on TV or mm-hmm. yeah or it's just yeah. a matter of time. Well, I. I, I will say that there was a very special period for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think that's between, true. Between Iron Man and Endgame, I think that yeah, was, yeah, that was really special. Uh, I I personally felt like Endgame was my favorite experience in the theater. Okay, uh, I saw it first showing, mm-hmm. and um, you know I was following everything up until that point and loved almost everything. And, um, like it was just, everything just kind of came together yeah. and just so effective. Um, yeah. I don't think that can be done again. And the problem mm-hmm. is like when these other companies, these other, you know, corporations, they see that model working. Right. Right. They try to, you know, they try to like, Oh, we could do it better. You know, let's do it in two movies instead of, <laughs> instead you know, of 10. Yeah. 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 And, See, that's uh, a good point though. I almost, I forgot about the Marvel movie. Like those were a big deal. Like when yeah. I was in, yeah. I guess like right out of college, like that was a huge yeah. deal. That, and 2008 was a good year because we got Iron Man. Yep. We got Dark Knight and this isn't as popular, but for me, it, is a very significant speed racer. So, oh, you know, what's interesting. That was a speed racer. My wife and I were just talking about this this morning. That was such a polarizing movie. I was, at, I was in my final year of the Kubert school yeah. and it came out and I remember like the whole school went like our whole like third year class went and saw it like, you know, over the weekend. 
And oh man, like people came back. It was like highly contested. Some people hated it. Oh, yeah. Some oh, people yeah. loved it. It was oh, like I, I mean, never like saw shouting it. matches. Yeah, I've never seen shouting matches. I think if it came out now, it would do better because it's so relevant. I was watching it recently, and it okay. brought, brought me to tears um, because the message. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it recently, but no, it's been a long time. Yeah. So so basically. Our main characters are, you know, they're super passionate about racing and um, they, 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 they hit, you know, a, a big break and, and they get, they get into, into the big racing league and, you know, it's like a whole new world for them and they, they live and breathe racing. They're genuinely racers, right? So right. they get into the big league, which is what they've been aspiring to this whole time. And, you know, Speed Racer finds out that everything is rigged. Everything is connected to larger corporations. Everything oh, wow. is, is made to, uh, you know, affect the stock market in a certain way. There's all these like like partnerships on the side, and everyone's kind of like like has their own drivers. Nothing is real. Right. Everything, everything is based on benefiting the larger corporations and like the industry that they've curate they've curate for the masses. Yeah, yeah. So they basically commodified racing and Oof. i was i was just kind of like seeing it more as a broader perspective and I said, this is kind of like what pop culture has become mm -hmm. yeah yeah no exactly and, you know speed racer is like the independent artists who are like having their small companies come up with you know more creative things and you know putting that like you know the, the indie movies and the indie toys and all that stuff and um and it, it was it was very inspiring as you know i I wasn't really, I'm not really into race cars, but like just in general, the, the, the overall concept of you yeah. know, the art becoming, you know, some sort of, you know, corporate thing, uh, you know, that was really interesting. Yeah, no, that now you make me want to watch I, it. I've never, I've never yeah. seen the movie. So you, you I, sold me on it. I think you're hundred percent right. I think that movie came out now especially just I feel like the wall's been pulled back a little bit just yeah. because it's been so blatant where, like you said, like especially like with the Marvels, an easy example, right? It was this big event that we all look forward to, and now it's like I feel like even when there's good Marvel stuff that comes out, everybody's a little tone deaf just because there's so much. Yeah. To, you know, like there's yeah. three TV shows yeah, coming exactly. out at the same time, yeah. and there's yeah. always movies dropping. You're like, eh, I've already, I've already, I already have the perfect equation for it. It's like You've already beat the game, but now you got to go back to do the side quest to get a hundred percent completion. <laughs> that's that's Marvel. That's perfect. Post, post end game. To me. Yeah, yeah, and and the side quests aren't usually very fun. No, <laughs> no, no. And you've maxed out your character, right? So yeah. like, even like what would have been a challenge, you just like breeze through. I mean, I. I suck at video games, so like that's that's, that's how that's, I like. You know to what? Play. Though? That's a good reference. So I'm proud of you for not playing a video game and knowing that. Good for you, man. Thank, thank you, sir. Yeah. I, hey, listen, I had a PS2 back in the day. I know you did. I know you yeah. did. But decades ago, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still so, getting up on my on my retro games over here. Nice. <laughs> really? Really? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm like super into retro games now. What's your uh, system of choice right now? Uh, I I kind of switch a lot between the N64 and the Genesis. Okay. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, we were a big when I was a kid. We were a Genesis household. Yeah, we uh, big Genesis. I fan. went from regular Nintendo to sixty four. So 
we skipped super, which I always oh, really? bummed me, always bummed me out as a kid, you know. But yeah. uh, what's your what's your favorite Nintendo sixty four game then? Uh, that, that's a tough one. I know um, some bangers. It's it's probably a tie between Doom sixty four and Mario sixty four. Mm. But but I will say that the reason I bought that system as a kid was Shadows of the Empire, like hands down. Shadows of the Empire and Ocarina of Time are my two favorite Nintendo 64 games. Yeah. Fighting Boba Fett was awesome. I was all, oh, I was all about yeah. that. And then do you remember the underwater level where you fight that uh-huh. like giant, that, that character scared the piss out of me when yeah, I was, was, you know, yeah. 11, 12 years old. The first time with water, I was like, wait, what's going on? Yeah. 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 Man, that's yeah, it. That, that was good stuff. I I was so into that game. That, uh, I found out that they made a soundtrack for the book and they used the music in the game. Yeah. And so I, I had to have that. And I bought the book. I had to read the book and all this stuff. And oh, yeah. Into the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. That is such a good game. And IG-88 is way too hard in that game. <laughs> I agree. I agree. That was, yeah, that was a not an easy game. No, no, that was hard. I mean, I'm still kind of going through it now, and I get hung up on the IG-88 part. I was like, how did I beat him as a kid? Because I know I beat him. I, I just can't, can't even, remember how. <laughs> I can't even do the controller anymore. It's just so hard to hold because it's so different uh, now uh, as a, you know, I'm used to Xbox and PlayStation. Uh, okay, so, yeah, so. yeah. I still like the controller myself. I I, I prefer it yeah. over a lot of other ones. I, just, I guess I just played it a lot as a kid, especially Doom 64. I think I probably played that the most... And just uh, got really used to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Doom was pretty legit, right? I mean, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, shit, I even played Doom. You know what, though? I never played it on a console. I always played it on the PC. I, I have recently bought the PC versions. Uh, they've, they've been carted over to the N64, like custom games. Oh, okay. And, yeah, I bought them off of Etsy a while back, and now I'm going wow. through both of them. And, cool. Like, I can just pop them in my N64 and play it on there. Dude. So, it's, do you have a do you have like a like a legit uh, retro uh, 64? Or do you have one of like the newer like rebuilts that they? Yeah, it's legit. Yeah, I don't oh, think wow. they do the rebuilts for the 64. Those are only for like uh, Super Nintendo, Sega, yeah. and regular Nintendo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, they did a PlayStation one as well, but I don't. Did they? That. I did not know that. Yeah. It didn't go over well, so mm. it may not be very good. <laughs> I feel like PS One is one of those consoles that kind of gets lost in between. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I was a big PS One fan, but just mostly just because that's all that's all I had for way too long. You know, where people were already starting to PS Two was already coming down in like discounted prices. Oh, so yeah. by the t- and that was by the time and I was still PS playing PS One and uh, but uh, yeah, I, f- I feel like PS One was it just kind of gets. I don't know. I was like the it wasn't that great, and then PS2 was just it had all the stuff that you wanted plus PS1. You know, just kind of got rolled into it. I had yeah. the I don't know if you remember the 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 PlayStation I had was the Mini, the PS like the, the oh, small yeah. one. Yeah, that yeah. was the that was the first PlayStation I had. Um, oh wow! Yeah, but I was an Xbox guy, so I went. I remember driving down to Portland as a teenager to go buy an Xbox. Did you do the whole stand in line thing? No, it wasn't like right when it came out, but it was uh, pretty sh- soon after we drove down to, I think it was Toys R Us and Jansen Beach at Portland and went down wow. and bought a bought an Xbox from there. 
It's awesome. That's wild. Yeah. That's wild. All right. Well, I think we should do a, a quick refresher for the listeners. Just yeah. It's been so long since we've had you on. Yeah. Um, but uh, so if the listeners haven't already figured out, like you obviously you work in the toy industry, um, you you sculpt and manufacture and design uh, action figures. And uh, so I guess my big I guess the easiest way would be how did you get into that? What are you know, what, what are some of the companies that you first started like cutting your tooth at? I know that you you one of the earlier projects you worked on was over at like McFarland Toys. Yeah. Um, but yeah. If you want to give us your origin story real quick. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I have to start with art school. I, I went to art school originally to draw comic books. So oh, where, which school did you go to? Savannah College of Art and Design. Oh, okay. SCAD? Yeah, they're yeah, great. SCAD, yeah, yeah. So um, I was, you know, as a teen, I was really into the image comics, especially um, Spawn and Wildcats, Gen 13. Oh, nice. Yeah, those are my favorites. And uh, I was also really into the death and rise of Superman at the time as well. So oh, I, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was really getting into all that stuff. And I thought, well, that's that's the career for me. That's what I want to do. And it turns out that SCAD was the only place at the time that you could get a major in sequential art. Oh, really? So, yeah. And it was oh, far wow. away. It's far enough away from home that I wasn't too, you know, too tied to where I grew up. So. Yeah, I was going to say, because you wouldn't have been too far from, like, the Cuber school, I would imagine. Um, well, I I grew up in Texas. so. Oh, okay. Okay, so yeah. that would have actually been a little bit further then. Yeah, a little further, yeah. So so Savannah was, you know, it was a good distance. And um, also, like, they had the main thing, though, was the sequential art major. So I was like, all right, well, that makes sense. I'll, I'll do that. And I did that for a few years. And eventually I realized that, it was much more interesting to create the characters and the worlds and the vehicles and all the stuff that goes into the comic than it was to actually draw the pages out. So right. I started gearing my portfolio towards concept art, which I didn't have a major for, but um, wow. I, 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 I started a second major in illustration so I could learn more uh, types of uh, materials and media and things like that to, you know, to develop my concept art. So I ended up double majoring in both, and um, about six months before I graduated, I started sending out portfolios. I sent one to McFarland Toys, uh, and I followed up with them about three about three weeks before I graduated, and they got back to me and said, hey, we're looking for somebody. So um, I was out of school for about three weeks before I got my first uh, job from them. That's crazy. That's and so awesome. And uh, the first job uh, was something that never came out, but my very first job was transforming robots. Okay. Yeah, they, it was like it was supposed to be like a spinoff of the. Uh, they did they did a, a Spawn robot line a few years before that the, the Interlinks. Okay. Okay. They they did Interlinks and they also did those Nitro Riders with the with the motorcycles. So. Oh, I think I remember the Nitro Riders. I yeah. think that, that seems familiar. Yeah, so, so they were dabbling in robot stuff, and, and they, they had an idea to do like some very organic-looking robots that turned into other things, and that was my first project. And, um, wow. yeah, nothing happened with it, but, um, but I did design uh, a robot that turned into an anglerfish and another one that turned into a raptor with missiles on its back. It was, yeah, some Dude, great stuff. That's uh, cool. 
Yeah, yeah. So, like, right out of college, I'm basically designing, transforming robots. And uh, not long after that, I started working on the Dragon's line, designing stuff. Okay. Uh, but eventually, that turned into me moving up to New Jersey and um, you know, working there full time as a sculptor. Uh, the, the design situation turned into a sculpting situation because that's what they needed. And wow. um, I just kept going from there. Then I went to Hasbro and then NACA and here I am. Can I can I ask a question? How difficult? What? Because like I've never done sculpting, right? And I mean, we've known each other for a while now. Uh, like you know that. I just do pretty much comic art at this point with like storyboards here and there. Was it hard transitioning from illustration to sculpting? Like that seems like it's cause you, it seems like there's similar constructs, but then all of a sudden you're working in, in a completely like you're going from 2d to 3d. Yeah. Yeah. I was already sculpting in, in high school. I, I started oh, okay. sculpting and it wasn't like I was trying to be a sculptor. I just wanted to, see my characters uh in in like 3d form sure yeah because i was i was making up my own characters in, in high school and making up my own stories i had sketchbooks and sketchbooks full of comics that of oh my, cool my own stuff and um i thought you know it'd be cool to have little figurines of my characters and that's that's what i did i started learning how to sculpt i just taught myself how to sculpt with uh, first, I used some air drag clay from Michaels, and then eventually I started using Sculpey, Super Sculpey, and yeah, like it wasn't really I wasn't really interested in techniques or like being a good sculptor. I just wanted to make cool looking figures. <laughs> That's so, awesome. So um, that kind of carried into college, and I would I would still do more sculpting of my own characters in college, like usually on the side. Usually, it wasn't even for a class; it was just in addition to my classes. Eventually, I was able to work it into my classes, and um, by the time I graduated, I had a portfolio for sculpting and for designing. So I had two portfolios, cool. and McFarland had, you know, samples of both, and they had some people leave, and you know, they're like, "Hey, can you can you help us out in the sculpting department?" So I was like, "Okay," wow. so, so that that's how it started. That's that's so cool. So, did you ever get to work um, at the as the industry so graciously calls him uh, the Todd Father? Did you ever get to actually interact with him? Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, he would come visit uh, every once in a while, like usually two or three times a year. He'd come visit us, and oh, uh, cool. Yeah, and and uh, he would, you know, we we usually meet somewhere, and he, you know, he would have like a talk with everybody, and we'd be able to ask him questions and all that. Um, wow. Yeah, it was always a good experience, and he was. He was a huge influence for me as a teen with Spawn. I, oh, I bet, yeah. I would draw Spawn all the time, just practicing how to draw. I mean, I wouldn't find until later that, you know, there's certain anatomical things that I shouldn't be copying from him. <laughs> right. But, but um, you know, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. And, and I was just, I just loved all that stuff back then. Uh, you know, him transitioning into the toy industry from being a comic book artist uh, was also inspiring. Uh, yeah nobody's done that before and uh i just have a lot of respect for him um but yeah but he he would he would come out and and we we interacted a little bit here and there i got a picture with him at one point and uh um that it, you know it was, it was always a positive experience when he come out so yeah that's he seems like a pretty upbeat guy like he, he's all about like 
you know, he's he's in a position, he's one of the few guys I think you could say he's in a position where like if he wanted to just retire and sail off into the sunset tomorrow, he could. Yeah. Um yeah. but he just seems like he really just loves like making oh, cool yeah. stuff, you know? He's mm-hmm. just I don't know. He's got this energy that I just kind of love. Brian, yeah. we're talking about uh, McFarlane right now. Oh, nice. The man. Yeah. 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 He's, he's got a lot of energy. You can tell that he's, he's, uh, he's very genuine about what he's trying to do. And he's always like just excited to be doing any of it. He, that was the impression I got. He's just really into it. He's a guy, he's like a bucket list guy to, to bring on here for us. Yeah. I think that'd be, <laughs> we'll do it. We'll get him on. We'll here. get him. We'll, we'll get, get him on, on eventually, but man, I just saw him post. Uh, I sent that to you, Tad. The uh, the Batman Beyond versus Justice Lord Superman double pack. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that thing was killer. killer. You're gonna get it, aren't you? I probably am gonna get that. Yeah, that thing is super <laughs> cool. I, you know, I'm a sucker for Batman Beyond too. And then sure. with the green kryptonite, like infused suit. Yeah, that's 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 a yes for me. I have to check that out. I haven't seen that. Okay, so we got to talk. We got to talk the big thing right now, Cyberzoic, yes. man. Like, I've known that, uh, you know, you and I have been talking about this for a while. And, uh, like, this is something that you've had in the, in the wings waiting to be released for yeah. a long time. And now, it, you know, the fruit's finally falling from the tree. And it's, it's, and like, it's killing it right now, too. It's killing yeah. it right now. Um, overall, like, how are you feeling about it? Like, it seems like the fan reaction and stuff, like I remember you and I kind of talked, uh, I think a few weeks or maybe as a month or so before it, you were launching and it was one yeah. of those where I remember saying like, dude, get ready. It's, I think yeah. the fans are going to lose their minds for this. And in, so far it seems like that's the case. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I can't complain. I mean, it's, it's, it's going really well. Um, I, I'm mostly thinking about how much more work I, I need to do for the, for all the prototypes I want to show off as we go along, sure. uh, you know, because I want this to, to complete with all of the, the offerings that I have planned. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I went into this, you know, it was, it felt a bit risky just because my audience is built on natural history, not sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, you know, trying to bring them along to this crazy story, you know, I, I don't know how many people are going to be into it, but um, at the very least, you know that you could just get the dinosaurs by themselves so yeah uh, and and that that feedback from the community uh you know it, it did affect how i presented it you know like i couldn't just go full dino writers and put everything together right yeah uh, right people don't want to pay an extra 40 50 bucks for the other stuff you know if they just want a dinosaur and i, I respect that I, I get that um and then you know the people that do want this stuff it's easy to get, you know, just put it with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so yeah, it's, it's been crazy and, and it does go pretty far back. I mean, there've been bits and pieces that, you know, that started as far back as high school. I think uh, my very first painting of Dragolina was, I think I have 1996 on it. Wow. Yeah. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So um, I, I feel you. I have a project that's like that where like I've, I haven't done anything with it. I've just been writing on it like here and there. And it's just because like, I want to wait till like, I guess all of my, I guess creative powers have manifested so (laughs) that I feel like I could successfully pull out. Like right now my wife's like, okay, I think now we're getting close. Like it's probably time for you to probably start pursuing this, you know, in the next couple of years. And it's like, okay, okay. Cause like, I, I, you know, I, 
but so I feel I know exactly what where that feeling where you're like, oh, I have these these things like yeah, it's, have it's, to develop it's, them. Yeah, yeah, and and pop culture needs new ideas. I think because yeah, you know, like we were talking about before, like we 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 now have like ten iterations of everything from our childhood now. Mm-hmm. So you know, at some point, what's left? You know, we we keep drawing from the wells. But, yeah. um, and, and even if our ideas just, you know, have a small impact, at least it's inspiring some people, at least it's, you know, making more people, uh, you know, interested in pop culture, uh, on some level, which I think is important. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, this is not something that I even thought I would be able to get to until like maybe four or five years ago. And then I was, you know, once we got past the, the Ceratopsians, I was like, Okay. Well, well, if we did Tyrannosaurs, then what? Yeah. If we, I mean, the only thing you can really go up from there is dragons in my mind. So I started thinking about doing the dragons and I thought, well, is dragons going to be all that I want to do? Because I had this other story kicking around. So basically just, I just kind of put several elements together that I've been kicking around in my head and put it into a story and spent the last two and a half years refining that concept and now we have this so yeah yeah i mean i mean i think it's i i think it's really interesting um like how you and i met um it was just a random email and then i'm not going to go into details but we were part of a a really um i'm just gonna say disrespectful pitch meeting um (laughs) uh where i was i remember this yeah i was very very pissed off about the way we were treated and then it kind of led to um us having a conversation about you know what was going to become cyberzoic and um i remember running it by uh, you know again i feel like i she always is she runs everything but i ran I, i told her the idea that you had told me about cyberzoic to my wife and she was like oh finally someone's showing you a project that um (laughs) <laughs> like you would really want to get behind. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, hundred percent. Um, so can, can we talk about that? So like you and I have been kind of working on the comic. Well, I should say kind of, we are working on the comic yeah, the, yeah, right now. Yeah. 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 And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things we're, we're, we're trying to ease into. We're trying to make sure everything is what we want it to be. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a complicated thing to find a starting point and, you know, kind of present the world and present the characters uh, in a way that doesn't feel like it's just an advertisement for the toys. Right. Uh, I remember from from the very beginning when we were talking about this, I, I said that I want the toys to serve the comic and yeah. not have the comic serve the toys. Right. And then, I, I believe you used like He-Man as an analogy where like they come out with these toys and then they're like, oh, quickly hammer yeah. out some little mini comic yeah. that throw in there yeah, be like yeah exactly. no this justifies yeah. the toy see <laughs> yeah although it didn't start like that like if you look at the very first uh i don't know one or two issues like they divert quite a bit from the toys like oh really they're i mean by far the best issues and it's yeah. just it's more just a fantasy story i mean it's very frazetta inspired and um like it, it could have been its own thing uh but eventually, I think Mattel wanted to start using that platform more to like get you to buy the characters that you don't have yet, 
So, right. yep. and, and I can't blame them. I mean, it's, you know, you kids, you're not going to be able to tell the quality difference between the first two issues or issue 20, you know, right. Right. So you just want to see your favorite characters and, you know, see that world. So, you know, that's probably not the best age group to try to be telling an epic story to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. but, but, but now, you know, we're, we are of the age that we can appreciate those types of things. And, you know, just simply throwing a bunch of characters together in some fights isn't really going to mean much. And it's not worth my time to do that. So you know, right. I, I feel very strongly about the storyline and the characters and the messages involved. And, um, and uh, you know, it, it has this really cool exterior of armored dinosaurs versus alien dragons. But, you know, at the foundation, there is you know, some important uh, themes going on, I think, and, and I really want to present those in a way that's effective. So that's why that's why we don't have a comic yet, because we're still writing it and we're still trying to you know figure out the pacing and uh, you know the, the different uh, uh, storylines uh, as we go along. So, so right. So is this is this your first uh, uh, Fourier and did like just writing a comic, David? Yeah. What's yeah, what's yeah. that been like for you? Oh, it's been very it's been very challenging, but very very cool. Um, I I started getting used to writing uh, for for NECA when we were doing the Kenner Aliens and Predators. Well, mm. I, actually, I think it was just the Predators. I don't think we did it for the Aliens, but um, I was designing the, the the Kenner Predators, and I was I was writing all the bios on the backs, like basically coming up with lore that tied it into the movie characters and. Um, I also did it for the AVP Predators, uh, the Alpha Predator. Yeah, there, there, there were quite a few Predators. I was just pretty much given free reign to just come up with backstories for all these different Predator characters. Oh, that's and, so cool. Uh, yeah, that is I awesome. just really got into it. And now I'm like, well, I could probably do that for my own characters. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's that's where I'm coming from now. And, you know, just the, a matter of putting it into a narrative. And um, I feel like I'm... I'm pretty good with like coming up with synopsises and you know character profiles and things like that but i i do i am trying to find people to help me actually put together a narrative because that's the part where like i'm thinking too broadly all the time mm -hmm. and um have to kind of rein it in to like tell a, a story in, in, a, in a sequence and that's there's a whole nother skill set for that yeah and so you know, that's why Tad and I are working on it. We're also working with uh, my friend JP on that too. And yeah, so, I mean so, JP, JP, you and JP put down I thought a really good foundation for that like first that first issue. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like we're talking inside baseball here, but like like <laughs> the beats of it when people see it, I think are going to really enjoy. It. And it like there's this thing that you guys did, and I think we talked about this in the, our last kind of like uh, creative session. Um, was that like, I always am griping to Brian about this is that, is it, cause I feel people break this rule is like, they'll decide they want to do something with their characters, <laughs> but it doesn't, make, it doesn't sense make sense in terms, in terms of like logical, like, like actions of what the character would do in that realistic setting or yeah. just the physics of the you know, like the scenario where like, well, we yeah. want Wolverine to punch out apocalypse. Why? I ah, just be cool. <laughs> so they just have them like 
do something they have the character do something that there's no way they'd physically be able to do or like oh, you know what batman's really mad he's beating the crap out of superman in this issue you know and it's just one of those where like there's certain constructs that people don't follow and like for me as like a storyteller that just irritates me so yeah. much where i'm like you have to like there has to be reason and 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 rhyme had, to like we had everything. many a conversations about this when we were writing uh operation blue so. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's just it, yeah. and you see that all i think with like young writers or inexperienced writers right like where they just are like oh i want i just want to have this cool scenario happen you're like well no you have to set it up and i feel like going through that that the beats of that first issue man like you guys like everything makes sense and like we talked about like second and third like what what we can set up and do from there and it's just it feels real natural and organic just the pace of everything but yet it's still exciting and fun you know what i mean it's not just tons and tons of exposition like it's just it flows really naturally yeah and it's it's i mean it's it's still not quite there i think i I think that we still have to work out a few more things uh oh yeah definitely but, but yeah it's 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 coming together and i'm feeling pretty good about it and um i'm not thinking about the visuals i mean how cool you're gonna make those look you know just uh you know, like I better i better all, pressure i got to the pressure's all, on <laughs> all the gladiator scenes you know with the the animals fighting and everything uh yeah yeah even like when i, when I talked to jp about it he's like this, this is gonna be a lot to illustrate you know there's yes. a lot going on here <laughs> yes i said, yes. I said Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's I feel like there's a nice balance like the it's that thing where I feel this will be a project that will be really easy to get kind of tunnel vision on or like get in tap get into that, that flow. mind the flow, yeah, get flow state because it's yeah. just I don't know. I mean like one of the reasons why I originally reached out to you is just I like the stuff that you're building so much. Mm-hmm. And it's just I don't like there's just nothing like it and like you said it's original it's fun it's all my interests like I love dinosaurs I love tech I love yeah. all that kind of like fun I mean and then like I mean Dragolina I mean come on she's just did I get a Dragolina figure in the Kickstarter 100% 100% well yeah you, you got it yeah. right yeah. yeah yeah she I will say um just just a side note uh she came about back in the 90s when I was in love with Cammy from street fighter so <laughs> nice so i mean she, she is partially inspired by cammy i mean cammy's pretty great right yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and still relevant so you know yeah yeah uh I, you know i was just you know what i went back and watched the other day and this is kind of embarrassing but the that old street fighter movie john claude with john claude yes good movie, know, man. It's, it's a good movie yeah. I'm just going to say it. It's the best iteration that we've seen in film of Chun-Li. I don't like that Chun-Li movie that they did years oh. ago. Oh, that yeah. was terrible. That, that, wasn't, that shouldn't even count. No. I thought you were going to say it's the best iteration of a G.I. Joe movie. <laughs> I, it is. Too, it really is. It is. Yeah. that that That's always my thought going into it. Because you could totally just switch out, you know, Bison with Cobra Commander and yeah. Kyle Duke. Yeah. You know, it's like, and, and then you have like, the, the vehicles and you have all the colorful characters and it was it was so much more gi joe than the actual gi joe movies were but definitely but yeah. yeah and you know who i thought they did who was perfectly cast and i actually met this guy once at a horror con in seattle uh was the guy who played zangief yes yes he was, was like best casting yeah yeah and that whole like uh the side 
yeah uh with thumbs up and then like i think it's ken that like teaches them like no man like you gotta yeah. turn it this one he's like yeah. oh i love that scene. <laughs> that's the guy that was in batman returns who played uh, max shrex's son oh oh did he really it's, a, it's the same guy it, oh, oh my wow. gosh yeah i was shocked when I, when I found that i was like that's the same guy that's wild it's a good movie it is a good i don't care i think it's a good movie yeah, well, you know, I was like, "What that movie?" And I think Mortal Kombat came out that year, and it was like, "Wow, this is the this is the peak of video game filming." Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like, I'm never gonna beat it. Mortal Kombat, I think, was a little more successful, but uh, yeah, Raul Julia's I, last film as yeah, 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 Street Fighter. Yeah, he, was, he was in bad shape when he was doing that. Yeah. One. yeah. That's too bad. He did an amazing job. Though. He I did, did. Yeah, and he product, and though. he still took it to Van Damme. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that I, love, I actually have the movie poster in in my uh, lounge area. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I really do like that movie. I, I wish somebody would do like high end one six scale figures from that movie. I be, that would be pretty. That would be pretty. You know, that's one of the things I always uh, looking for good Street Fighter figures, mm-hmm. and it seems like uh, the ones that I always good Street Fighter looking. figures or good Chun Li figures. A little bit of both. Yeah. Uh-huh. A little bit of both. Big Chun Li <laughs> fan. Yeah. Uh but uh what's the company? I think it's Storm. I think yeah. Yeah, yeah. they always have great they look like they're right out of the video game. It's just insane. Yeah, yeah. I I've been collecting their Mortal Kombat line, but not so much Street Fighter. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I I I got I got in a little late. So like by the time I started collecting Storm all the Street Fighter stuff, like the main characters were already like going up in value. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I can do Immortal Kombat stuff because I'm probably more of a fan of MK anyway. So, so yeah. But yeah, it's all good stuff though. It's cool. Yeah, no, it, it, it's great. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, man. Um, yeah, no, it, it's so, I, I haven't been, I don't think I've been this excited not to change subject to get back to Cyberzoic though. I don't think yeah. I've been this like, excited for a project uh probably ever in my career if i'm being uh-huh. honest with you um yeah like maybe uh when i was first starting when i was working on uh cretaceous but like that feels at this point like that was like so long ago and yeah. there was so many other things that were going on that like you know it's like okay like maybe if i ever revisit it or something like that will be i'll get fired up again for it but like i don't know this project just it's got everything it's got everything that you can want, especially I think is like as we we're talking like a eighties, nineties kid. Right. It's got uh, it's got yeah. the dinosaurs, it's got the cool action characters. One of the things I, I wanted to ask you about was um the scale. I think it's really interesting that uh you're scaling all the and this is what I, I, I think I love about the figures themselves so much, is that it seems like they're all to scale to how they would all be if the all the characters were like in a movie right like the character even like the human characters are there at a scale that matches like all the animals um yeah yeah, yeah. I just, you don't see that very often right like they just are like you know and i imagine it's done for packaging reasons and stuff like that but i think it's really cool that you're doing that yeah i i, th- I think it makes for a better display you know mm-hmm. like yeah get a sense of the world when everything's in scale with each other and uh my my hope is at one point to have uh, animals from uh, different periods of prehistory and animals from modern day, all all the figures in scale with each other. You just have like everything on your shelf from a Demetrodon to an elephant, and they're all in scale yeah. with each other. 
you know, that's, that's something that I really want to build towards like in the, like in the long term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I want to see a diorama now. Now, now, you know, we've got the figures. So give us the diorama that we can put the figures in for <laughs> Cyberzoic. You like an arena? Yeah, stuff? yeah, something, something cool like that. Yeah, man. we're gonna have to really blow up to get to that level. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I can't imagine like packaging for something like that's got to be crazy expensive to produce. Oh, like a like a playset? Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm way too intimidated to do a playset. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's enough to wrap my head around you know making transforming armors. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, I was yeah. explaining that to somebody and they were like, whoa, 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 back up. What do you mean the armor uh, on the animals transforms? And uh, I was like, yeah. And they were just like, holy, f- like, how did, how did he figure that out? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'll ask him when, when he's on the podcast. Yeah. How did you, how did you figure that out? Did you have to work with somebody or something or like, it's kind of crazy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the original concept of having the transforming ours came from, again, feedback from the, from the, from the community about people. A lot of them just want the dinosaurs, right? So, so right. you end up with making production runs of armors that may or may not sell because people just want to buy the dinosaurs. So, and then they'll be packaged by themselves. So, you know, it's like, well, how do we, create enough value for these armors that they might be enticing on their own. Right. Have them turn into something. And so, and, you know, as we went along, we, we, we figured out how to, uh, you know, kind of differentiate between the clans more. So, so the tech clans armors, they convert into vehicles while the fire clan armors can convert into animals. And, um, you know, that it kind of, goes along with the themes of, of their their uh, cultures and uh, you know it just it created a lot of uh, interesting design ideas and um, it kind of sets it apart from uh, you know, pretty much anything that's happened before as far as toys go so um, yeah. I mean it, it's something that you don't ever see like it's like you'd mentioned Dino Riders but Dino Riders like was just you know it was armor that you'd yeah, it yep. was like form fitting to the animal. I mean, they were cool yeah. uh, for the time, but like, like this is like some next level. Yeah. Um. I mean, there's and, I, nothing like it. And it also it also works into the story. I mean, because you have like on the tech clan side, like they're basically the heroes of humanity, and they they fought off the dragons. Mm-hmm. And right. You know, like I'm imagining scenarios where they're they they're fighting a dragon with the armor on the dinosaur, and then the you know in the midst of the battle they can you know uh have their armor convert into a vehicle and then have the dinosaur attack the dragon while on the other side they're attacking it with the vehicle you know it's like like like, like, you know like a double weapon at that point and then they can come back and convert back into the armor again uh but but then on the flip side of that the fire clan has these living armors and um they they're basically disguising them themselves as armors mm-hmm. because uh if the tech clan were to find out it would be seen as uh, a form of uh treason basically because right they're they're not supposed to be developing any sort of ai technology it's basically like you know you if they find out then, then they're going to war basically wow. because 
allowed to have it. So they have to hide themselves. They hide themselves as the armor. And whenever these robots are attached to an animal, they can control the animal and use it as their own body. So wow. Oh, that's that cool. Makes you, you, and you're kind of hitting at something that is talks it's that's it, it's talking about a lot uh right now like ai man yeah. like yeah uh i mean <laughs> i could i if, if if a country released like actual like you know uh functioning like real ai like turing tested ai i think that could be something that could definitely bring us to the brink of war yeah <laughs> Yep. Yeah, you know what I mean? absolutely. And that's what starts the war. The whole war happens because this AI is discovered with the fire clan, and right. they're they're basically planning a revolt anyway to try to take back more of the land. Uh, so they the fire clan's kind of been pushed into this dark area of the planet. They don't have a lot of resources, and the tech clan is just kind of like this very controlled utopian society where nobody really has any freedoms, but they're very safe. And right. um, uh, so, so the fire clan, they're, they're very chaotic. I mean, they're all about freedoms and living as you want to or whatever. Uh, and they, they really don't care for how the tech clan is controlling everything. So, you know, they develop, they're secretly developing these AI armors and um, you know, the word gets out. It's in the first story that an incident happens where, you know, it becomes known that these armors are sentient and, right. uh, and that has, uh, you know, consequences. Yeah. Yeah. The, it creates a, a ripple effect in their world. Yeah, exactly. So, so, <laughs> so it, it does trigger, you know, a big event, uh, as it, as it continues to build. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, what started off as a gimmick to make, to add more value to the figures was worked into the story to make the story more interesting. That's cool. Yeah, it gives it so much more like depth and relatability. Um, you know, like which is I think one of the most important things to a story. Like yep. you know, I mean, on the surface, you know, it's like robots and dinosaurs and dragon riders yeah. and all yep. kinds of cool shit. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, here's a socio-political angle that we can all relate to that we're watching play out on television every day. Right. Uh, no, it's it's pretty great. Um, so let me ask you this, and this is just kind of like, say Cyberzoic just blows up, right? Like mm -hmm. it is just the biggest campaign you've ever done. It's just leading to like, you know, this is what we're doing the next few years. Yeah. Um, what would be like the biggest scale craziest animal um that you would want to introduce Ooh, um just like that. you know <laughs> like like a giant sauropod a big like humpback whale or i don't, I don't know like is uh, there is there anything like you've got kind of like well if you know if it really blows up i'm gonna i'm gonna make this um i never thought about whales i could put that idea in my head <laughs> <laughs> That would be cool to have armored whales. Uh, yeah, I mean, eventually we are going to get to the water clan, and they have a lot of aquatic animals. Cool. Uh, but we, we we do have some concept art for some, uh, I believe they are Diplodocus. They're, oh, they're shit. They're basically uh, transports for uh, the tech clan civilians. Okay. So, so I mean, that's... I mean that's something you could easily adapt into something with 
for the for the non dinosaur or prehistoric nerd here what 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 is that <laughs> it's uh it's like a brontosaurus okay uh except not quite a brontosaurus okay it's, it's it has uh it has a long neck and a long tail with like kind of a whip at the end of it uh they were I, I can't remember the exact length that they were i'm probably gonna be wrong about this but i feel like they were around 80 feet or so um I think you're right. That sounds mm. about. Yeah. That sounds about they, right. They weren't the biggest, but they were pretty big. They were really. Yeah. yeah. They so were can, one of the longer dinosaurs, though. That's for sure. Yeah. Let's get a woolly yeah, mammoth. A woolly mammoth yeah. would be pretty oh, yeah, rad. That, yeah, we'll we'll definitely get to that. It's just megalodon. I, I remember. I was gonna say early on we had had a talk about megalodon at one point. Is that still something that's possibly on the table? I'm gonna have to approach it in an interesting way because I feel like. We've seen the armored sharks now in the Aquaman movie. Uh, true. I don't want to get compared to that. Um, yeah. But I, I do love sharks. They're one of my favorite animals. Uh, so, so cool. I, I would like to work that in. Um, it might even be more interesting to like play around with some lesser known prehistoric sharks, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Meg- Megalodon obviously is you know very popular, but it's also like, a great white shark, more or less. Yeah. Well, if you do, a, and right. if you do do an armored megalodon, you have to make a Jason Statham action figure to go on top of it. So. <laughs> well, um, it's not outside of the realm of possibility. It's a billion dollar idea, right have, there. Have one of the characters be, you know, based on an action star because we already have that with Argentius. He's based on uh, uh, Michael Jai White. Nice. Who's one of my favorite uh, martial artists, and um, so underrated, underrated as so shit. Un- yeah, so- absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I would love to see him in like a big sci-fi ap- epic action movie. I mean, like Cyberzoic, the yeah, film. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at the art. I mean, he'd be perfect for it. Yeah, but but yeah, I mean, that's the sort of thing that I would, you know, as as we keep going along, I I could. You know, have certain characters be inspired by some of my favorite action heroes. I I, I grew up with action movies. Yep. I, I love all that stuff. Um, yeah, maybe maybe you'll see a Van Damme pop up somewhere. Else. Yes, <laughs> with, with mullet. It's got to have the mullet. Oh, you yeah. don't want the you don't want the guile flat. No, top we got to have the mullet. The flat top, you you got to have the the hard target mullet. The hard target. Oh, it's mullet. just Chef's yeah. kiss. Like you know, it's sad when I was a kid and that Street Fighter movie came out. I thought the American flag tattoo on his shoulder was the coolest oh, yeah. shit. Who did? Where I was like, oh, I got to get one of those when I'm an adult. Now I'm like, oh, no, that's pretty goofy. Was it weird that he had the, you know, he had the, the American flag tattoo, but he had this heavy accent? Yeah. You know? I I just like to think that he was like from like Creole country or something, you know, or like he was well, like Louisiana. Like a, it's just like every Arnold movie. His name's like john smith or like just just the basic american name yeah Yeah. listen they grew up on farms you know yeah i was never bothered by it i I wouldn't change it i don't care yeah (laughs) at this point arnold schwarzenegger is about as american as it gets i think yeah for sure (laughs) yeah yeah for sure that's cool all right uh right i think it's time for the question i and you know what question i'm gonna uh i'm gonna kind of you know what you're an '80s, you're an '80s guy. So let me start with part one. What's okay. the what's the better what's the better theme song, A Team or Magnum PI? Oh, that's tough. 
Let me think about it for a second. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, you think about that, and I'm going to dive into the question. And usually, okay. uh, usually, kind of, we talk at comic space, but I kind of want to, I want to, kind of want to change that around. Like, I know you worked for NECA. I know you've worked, uh, I think, uh, McFarland Toys too. So you've probably done a lot of stuff. But is there, uh, you know, uh, a, a licensed property or a character or somebody that? If given the opportunity, you would jump at to like make a you know make a figure line of. There aren't too many at this point that I would be interested in because so much is being done right now with the licensing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but lately, I have been thinking a lot about Primal Rage. Yes, nice. Oh. <laughs> I mean, Help. thinking about. Oh. Bringing so that back to make it more realistic looking and like more articulated. I, no one's doing anything with it. Right. You know, and, there was a toy line for that, but it, I, I tried yeah. to get it not long ago. Because uh, that was my, my sister and I, that was our favorite game, right? We played yeah. that all the time. Yeah. And uh, I found out there's a toy line, but I think it was mostly re- released in Europe or something. I tried to get my hands on a couple of the figures. They were either just so beat up, they were unrecognizable or they were so expensive that it wasn't even like it wasn't even realistic to even like try and get my hands on mm-hmm. to sit on my sister's like mantle. It would have been just like goofy um, to spend that kind of money. But uh, I think that's just such a good idea. That it's sad good. that like, Primal Ridge is like forgotten about. I feel like yeah, yeah. yeah. They almost had a sequel. I don't know if you've seen that. But yeah, yeah, I've seen uh, some bits. I think someone posted up like um, it was like a real raw like. Uh, I don't know if it was like an intro or like character select screen that they were playing around with for the was, game. There, there, there was like a, a full game that was tested on the market at one point. And, oh, wow. Okay. Um, I think maybe there might've been like four or five cabinets that got, that got out and uh, then it just got canceled. Mm. Uh, I think, yeah. that, I believe the game was finished though. If, if oh not. wow dang so it was like in the beta stage and then they yeah, just like exactly. yeah, canned yeah. it or the company yeah. probably probably so many something. games like that that are that you just would love but they just died in the beta sucks yeah it was it was a weird looking sequel though because they had humans in it as well as the dinosaurs and then the, i think the yeah. boss was a dragon it was like kind of a zombie dragon with no skin mm-hmm. yeah i remember they changed some of the aspects of like because from the first game like it was like the world had mutated or something i just i can't remember there was some type of byline that gave him some creative freedom to really change things up but it still had some of the old like you know still had like the apes and um some of the other characters from the first one i believe yeah yeah but, so that would be a really cool line and a runner-up would be to do figures for the classic doom no oh, that, that would be cool mm-hmm. yeah because I, I mean, I'm, I'm, that's probably my favorite game of all time is Classic Doom, and it's um, pretty good. Like seeing those, like all 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 the bad guys kind of reimagined, yeah, as uh, cool looking creature figures. I think I think that would be amazing. Yeah, that would be cool. that would be really cool. So, what about intro? Well, which one's better? Well, I I will say that I love both shows quite a bit. Same. Uh, I might put a team just a smidge higher mm-hmm. Magnum PI, but Magnum PI might have the better song. So yeah. I, I guess I would say Magnum PI for the song, but okay. 
18 for the show. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I feel like more people remember just thought like the 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 A team one, but the Magnum PI. Yeah, like when you listen to it, it's just it's now, when that beat drops, man. It's just so much better. Beat drops the first, with the helicopter, like with the yeah, helicopter. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, the, the yeah. first I think eight or ten episodes had a different. It did. Song. It did, yeah. yes. Really? Yeah. yeah. It's really weird. That. But not memorable. I, no. I, I, when I got the DVD set, I was like, all right, here we go. And I, I'm starting from episode one, and it starts off with this song I've never heard before. Like, yep. yep. This isn't what I remember. Yep. <laughs> and and then, you know, I, I just, you know, I just kind of rolled with it, kept watching it, kept watching it. Eventually, when we got to, like, episode eight or nine, I think it kicked in. I was like, oh, there it is. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the song. Yeah. Yeah. That must have been when they, like, they were getting enough it's like the, ratings that they yep, knew that the pilot. Like, oh, yep. this is yeah, this yeah. is gonna really take off. Like, okay, we got it. Yeah, yeah there there were some good theme songs back then. Mm-hmm. Those, those yeah. shows they had, they had so much personality to them. I'm, I'm like, I, I still go back and watch that stuff. Like, oh yeah. Uh, uh, also, MacGyver. Yep. Watch a lot of that. Um, I think. Uh, what was the other popular action show? Knight Rider. Good, writer. Yes, yeah. yes. How can I forget that? Yeah. Yeah. Last time Brian and I hung out, that's what we ended up watching was the like the, the what was it, Brian? It was Night Rider two thousand when they it was like the pilot for the next generation of Night Rider that never took off. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like a made for TV movie. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. They, they did that a few times. I remember when I was a kid, or at least a teenager in the nineties, like every once in a while, I think it was Saturday night, I'd stay up really late, watch TV, like two in the morning, you'd have Team Knight Rider. Yep, Team Knight Rider. And then they tried to bring back Knight Rider just as a TV show. They rebooted oh, it in like the, the Mustang? Yeah, in like what the late uh like 2009, 2010, I somewhere around that. that. They yeah. didn't last long, right? It, it a season. Uh, one season. I watched one episode of that. And yeah. I was like, eh, it eh. had it had Hasselhoff in it. He was like, You're my son. You oh, know, it, yeah. Yeah. That's funny. but Val, Val Kilmer was the voice of Kit. That was like the only good thing about the show. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. No. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of cool. I tried watching the new Quantum Leap recently. Oh, no. And I, yeah, it was one of those where I was like, this just doesn't hit the same. Like, I, I don't know what it is. It just yeah. isn't, yeah. I can't get into it. And there's too much of like an action show. Yeah. Uh, the original was like a, it was like a sci fi drama where he's yep. just occupying like yep. different people's lives from, you know, like, uh, yeah, it was, it was so. And he wasn't in know, it. it. You know, you didn't have Dr. Sam Beckett wasn't in the show. So it's just like, that's a, kind of a no for me. And he passed on it because he was like, this isn't. He was like, I made, I think they just wanted him for like a cameo or something. And, yeah, and of course, so, that's what they do, right? And then he, so he, he ended up a pass, which I think that would, that would have been a great opportunity to just bring it back and just, you know, you find out he's been quantum leaping for the past 30 years. Like, what does that do to a person? You know what I mean? Like that was just such a great, it would have been a great opportunity to revive it. But I wonder if he just didn't want to do it. Cause it's like, you know, he's moved on from it. He's been trying to move on from it. Like he's been in so many other things. He was on a, he was like the lead of NCIS, what new orleans for five or six seasons before that and then that ended and that's when quantum leap came about so you know yeah yeah that the the original was really good but i've never seen same i haven't seen the reboot i i lasted about like maybe 15 minutes and i was like okay i I found myself like you know when you're watching something 
And then all of a sudden you're like, I've been on my phone for the last 10 minutes. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm just turning this off because yeah. it's a waste of everybody's time here. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know yeah. what I think was a good reboot of the 80s action was uh, the 18 movie. I agree. I we talk agree. about that all the time. Yeah. The director's cut is very, very good. It's goofy. I, yeah. It's the action is good. Yeah. What, did I, it just not I perform well or no, something? It just didn't make a lot of money. That's all. That it was. Okay. It's because it, they were hyping up Rampage Jackson as the star, you know, and then he lost. Yeah. Well, he was. He, yeah, he, he was the he was the champion. And then the when time. he lost, it killed all the momentum of that movie. I think because yeah. the cast was really good. You had a great oh, cast. Yeah. So. Yeah, that, that's, that's a fun movie. Mm-hmm. I love that's why that you movie. Ne- you never cast, um, especially like when it comes to like athletes. Cha- who are champions at the time you don't cast them because that means their next whatever big fight they're hyping up at the same time that means they're yep. gonna lose yep. they always do happen happen to ronda happen to rampage yep sure happen to whoever yep uh yeah but yeah but having somebody play ba baracus i mean that's that's tough it is tough know? yeah tough to fill that that role and i thought he did a good i liked the angle that they took like he became a pacifist in prison and he was like i don't want to hurt people anymore and then yeah Yeah, it was kind of funny yeah you know what's crazy is he's way more legit of a tough guy than actual mr t oh for sure you know but for some reason you know you had people like ah it's not the same man mr t i need to mr t he's got that that charisma like yeah yeah it's a rare charisma that, oh yeah yeah it's definitely. not so much about like like okay well how well can you really fight it's really about like just just that presence yeah um, yeah when someone would punch him in the gut on the show and he would just look at him or uh-huh. punch him in the face and he wouldn't yeah, move yeah. oh this is the uh-huh. best man he had yeah he had such a like a giant persona oh, um man. i don't and that's another thing i don't know if you're gonna if you get really celebrities like that anymore you know what i mean like i don't think you really get TV stars that resonate. I mean, we're still talking about Mr. T from a TV show that came out, you know, 35 years ago. Yeah. Like, that's kind of 40 wild years ago, dude. About. 40 years ago. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're like, you know, does anyone talk about anyone from Game of Thrones? Like, that was to, a huge to, phenomenon. To this day, cares. I still want that 83 GMC van, Ventura. It's a GMC Ventura van. I want one to this you day. Get it. I know I you could get, get one. it. I know I could get one, but I'm just saying it's iconic, man. It's iconic. That, that was another thing about the 80s shows. They all had to have a vehicle. Yep. Yeah. MacGyver had his Jeep. You had Knight Rider. You had the A-Team van. Um, yeah, Fall Guy had a truck. Yep. Uh, Magnum P.I. had the Ferrari. Like, Okay. I have a question for you. Okay. Here we go. Now, this was in the 80s. This would have been early 90s okay. or mid 90s. Okay. Now, this is. This tells you how much of a just when it comes to like garbage belly pop culture, my sister is. This mm-hmm. is her favorite show. But do you guys remember a little show called Thunder in Paradise? Of course, Hulk Hogan, baby. Yeah. Hulk Hogan. Just watching that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're my sister constantly it. talks about the stealth boat. The stealth boat. Like, yeah. The yeah. Stealth boat, yeah. Man. <laughs> I was watching it on YouTube, actually, because I, I was trying to see if, if it held up. And, um, Oof. I didn't finish the episode, <laughs> but it was kind of fun. I mean, yeah. yeah, it wasn't bad. It was just like, yeah, okay, I get it. You know, dude, we didn't miss an episode when I was a kid. Like, I watched it all, dude. I used to watch all the time. And then everyone, yeah. you have the wrestlers pop up. Yeah. Having their cameos. That was fun. Sometimes they play a villain. Sometimes they just be yeah. pro wrestlers that are just hanging yeah, out yeah, the yeah. cabana. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. There was some fun stuff in the nineties. I mean, I, to, to, to be honest, I'm still like watching Baywatch and Renegade. Renegade. Oh, Renegade. Oh. That I was never my, missed dude, an episode I, of that show, dude. I wanted to I, be Lorenzo Lamas oh, as a yeah, kid. I wanted to be, who was his buddy? Who was like the badass with the, had the, the native guy. Who yeah. Had, like the, yeah. When I was a kid, I was like, I need to get earrings that have like eagle feathers. <laughs> Listen, it's a good thing that them. you didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have a mohawk that went down into like, a, like someone a would have found that picture and canceled you, dude. Like, yeah, they would be like, like, What are you doing, buddy? Yeah, whatever. We used to have a thing when, when I worked at NECA, we used to have a thing called Action Friday, and, okay? Uh, that's where we would, we would have some sort of action movie or TV show on all day while we were all working in the studio. And Renegade was one of the more popular things that we would watch, and we used to do this thing where, uh, if somebody was wearing a pink shirt, we'd have to call it out. <laughs> There's almost at least one person in every episode that was wearing yeah. a bright pink shirt. And really? Yeah. A oh, lot man. of times it was Bobby Six Killer, but every once in a while it'd be somebody else. I need to watch. I need to do a rewatch. Is this streaming? Yeah. I need to find it. I think it's, it's on Amazon. Be. It's on Amazon. I'm pretty Sweet. sure. Sweet. Because when, whenever I go over there and watch Baywatch, I see it pop up next to it. Like, Dude, Renegade and Highlander, those were like Oh, my, Highlander, my the TV show. Man. I watched the full watched series. Yeah. yeah I, I catch it at night every once in a while, but uh, that one, I, I think I missed most of those. I mean, I watched way too much TV in the 90s. Yeah. That's what we all did. We, we all were, did. you know. There was, <laughs> there was so much. That, there was, okay, so the 90s, we had... Besides those shows, we also had Hercules and Xena. Yep. Oh, yeah. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Buffy happened later on, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, A little show called Street Justice. I don't think I I don't know that one. one. No. Carl Weathers. Oh, shit. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember the X Men show? What was it? Generation X? uh, That That was. That was a TV movie. Was it just a movie? Okay. Yeah, they showed it like one time. That was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it. I, I watched it when they showed it. Though. Yeah, because wasn't Jubilee like the star or one of the stars of the the, the show or the TV movie or something like that? It was a weird team. I remember. Yeah, it was weird. It was yeah. like they didn't have permission to use yeah, like the A-list characters. Limited rights. Yeah. <laughs> that's what yeah, it felt that's like. So yeah. crazy. Yeah, I think the 90s. We're kind of like a great era for fun television. I'm not going to say good TV, but I'm going to say fun, fun TV. TV. Fun. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of yeah. Fun. yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. You're making me really want to go watch Revisit Renegade. I'm going. Now. I'm watching They're, Renegade this week. Like, it's happening. Yeah. I, I have the entire box set on DVD. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. Okay. Awesome. Um, all right. Well, we're, I feel like we're kind of winding down. It's yeah. turning into, uh, we've yeah. gone, you know, we, we went down a comics. rabbit hole. I loved it. We talk, yeah, yeah. We talked cyberzoic and then it just went yeah. into like, this is the, the nineties television thunder and paradise. Nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay. Before we end every episode, as we get down, we get down to the nitty gritty. Uh, we like to go over what everybody's reading. Mm-hmm. And so, David, I gotta ask, man, are you uh, are you reading any comics these days, or uh, checking out any fantasy novels or anything like that? I am currently reading the Death of Superman. And, nice. Uh, you know, I I had it as a kid. Yeah. I was super into it, and I'm going back and reading all of the story now. So I I think I'm 
I'm at the tail end of the funeral for our friend section. Okay. Uh, and then that leads into the rise of the Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was like super influential when I was a kid. And I, I just recently finished the entire, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, the, the one with Bane and, and Batman. From the oh, night. Nightfall. Nightfall. Yeah. Nightfall. Nightfall, Night Quest, Night Send, all that stuff. I, I just finished all that recently. And I thought, well, what else could I follow that up with? And I thought, well, of course I, I would do, you know, Death of Superman. Yeah. And so, so that I'm kind of right in the middle of that right now. Nice. Oh, man. When that came out, that was such a game changer. I feel like it yeah. was just like, what? When you're yeah. like, when you're done with that, dude? read uh, read no Man, Batman No Man's Land. That's another. That's a great one. Okay. Yeah. Huge. Yeah, I heard about that. Huge. Yeah, it's it's, it's huge. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah, I'll, I will definitely check it out next. Yeah. Bry, what are you what are you uh, dipping your toes into? Oh these man. Days? So, oh wait wait. Let me rephrase that. Dipping your beard into. Thank these you. Days. <laughs> that's better. So I have read. Uh, since our last one, I read volumes three and four of Pluto. Um, oh, nice. So I'm making my way through. I found volume six. I bought it online. So now I've got the full series so I can just read it out. Um, wow. But there was, a, there was a piece in there that really like, you know, as we were talking about, uh, you know, in the beginning of the episode, we were talking about Rocket Story and Guardians 3. Um, yeah. When the when the professor was trying to save the ver- the old older model robot dog, I think that's in volume in volume four, and like he just barely comes back to life and just can't. He doesn't have the parts and everything like that to, uh, you know, to let him live to save him. Yeah. Oh my god, heart wrenching, heart wrenching. David, have you ever read Pluto? No, I haven't heard of this. No. It's a it's a manga series. It's a, basically it's an eight volume manga series. It's a retelling of the story of Astro Boy, oh. but it's way more serious. Yeah, and it's um, it's done as like almost like a detective mystery. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's like a murder yeah, mystery. Yeah, and then it also at the same time there's this big civil rights um issue where uh like between you know, robots. All the rob- yeah, robots, robots and, and humans. People. Yeah, there was a big like world war, and the robots were used to fight it. And now it's like post-war, but now you have all these like relics and the robots are like autonomous. So they're, you know, basically like AI essentially, but they, so there's this whole debate. Do robots actually have souls? Yeah. Do they actually feel even though they, you know, they were, but they were built to serve us essentially. And they can't, they're not in their code. They're not supposed to be able to hurt humans. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole, it's, it's one of the best stories I've ever read so far. it's easily one of the best like rehashes of yeah. an old classic. Cause I mean like Astro boy, it's, you know, it's, hu- it was huge when it came out, but it's, I mean, you're talking about something from like the forties and fifties. It's yeah. so old at this point. And uh, there a Netflix, I think in December, I want to say, or sometime this winter is releasing yeah. um, like a mini Anime. series. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is supposed to be pretty amazing. I, I guess we'll find out, mm-hmm. but um, it the trailer great. looked really cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, and if you can get your hands on it, I think you dig it, man. I think yeah, it's really good. Yep. And then, uh, so I'm reading one more thing right now. I'm currently halfway through uh, the newest Transformers reboot with uh, Daniel Warren Johnson uh, writing. Oh, how and, is it? Writing and doing art. It's pretty cool, man. The action sequences, as you know, he's yeah, that's what he does. That's what he yeah. does. I mean, it's yeah. they're, they're pretty spectacular. What do you mean by reboot? So, uh, so Transformers, they, uh, they, um, image via Skybound, uh, they bought the rights to Transformers 
And so well, they didn't buy the rights, but they secured the they publishing secured the, rights. Yeah, they from secured. Hasbro. Yeah, that's what I. Yeah, yeah. they secured the publishing okay. rights, and so they are re, they rebooted the the comic series. Interesting. Um, yeah, um, your your guy, um, uh, Louis, what's his name, Louis de Silva or Louis La Rosa. Oh yeah, yeah. He just he just did a uh, one of the cover one of the variant cover oh, for the issue okay. Brian's holding there. Check it out. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. Just just uh, I side note that piece that he did for me, I'm so in love with. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's when fantastic. you told me that you were having him do a piece, I was like, oh, I mean, this is the only guy you can't have do a piece for. I mean, he's the, yeah. he's the best. Yeah. He's the best. I mean, it's, it's, it's totally brought the world to life when I saw that. It's like, yes, this is what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, yeah, I, so I'm about halfway through and like, I don't know how well you can see like the action in it, but it's, it's yeah, pretty dynamic. Nice. Um, yeah. yeah. That looks great. Which is what he's, I mean, Daniel Warren Johnson, he's known for his dynamic action pieces and, that he puts together. I'm, I'm glad they're taking transformers. Cause like not to knock what they were doing with it at IDW, they're doing good stuff, but it was never like, it was like a B or C list book. You yeah. know what I mean? It was it where skybound has taken it and really like put like, top tier talent for yep. the industry on it yep. and it's really like I'll, I'll be curious to see if it stays because i don't know what the sellability of i know that the i know that the first days. issue that it went back to a second printing um but that that's always the first printed, issue you know yeah, yeah so. and if they pr- printed low yield right it doesn't really right. mean much right so, so yeah i'll knows. be curious one i think i think it'll sell well for as long yeah. as daniel does it I'll be curious yeah. to see when he, you know, how many issues of this is he going to do? And then right. when he's done, who is going to like, I think it de- all depends on who they have take over after him, right? Of how well it's going to sell, you know? Yeah, and that's usually kind of how these projects go, right? right? They do a big, big fancy rollout and then yeah. where does it go from there? Right. right. But I mean, I'm, I'm really digging what I'm seeing so far. I think, you know, nice. uh, Tiger Cubs, if you can get your hands on it, uh, it's definitely worked picking up and checking out um and and seeing where it goes like i i said i had to put it in my pull box because i want to oh, nice. i'm like cool yeah let's this this is going in my box i want to read it i want to check it out so very cool yeah what about you what uh what are you reading okay so uh we met this gentleman at rose city back in was that april uh, um, emerald city emerald city sorry uh uh jim terry and yeah. he had a he had an autobiography that he put out called Come Home Indio. And it's about uh essentially his growing up as a, a half native, half Irish kid in like the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. And then his struggles with not only like not fitting in at that time with society, but also then like um his uh, you know, he had a bunch of addiction issues with alcohol and other things and so and just a bunch of other social issues and so it's just it's a really great um introspection into his life um it came out a couple years ago during the pandemic yeah but i don't think because of the pandemic i think it kind of just like fell by the wayside but uh it's having this huge resurgence i'm seeing it every i don't know if it just got a re-release or whatever but um i'm seeing jim's like doing all these like convention spots good for him and yeah, and so I started reading it uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I really was able to make some headway on the, you know, because I had to fly down to California for some family stuff recently. So I was reading this along the way, and 
man, it's just, it's a heavy book, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's not like action. It's not like kind of like any of the fun stuff we've been talking about. Like it's pretty, it's a pretty dramatic, um, story that he's telling. Uh, but uh, you know, it, it's definitely worth a read. It's definitely worth a really, really interesting. It's a really interesting read, really, uh, interesting aspect of like i'll just say americana that doesn't necessarily get talked about a lot if that makes sense yeah yeah um but uh no i i highly recommend it for anybody who uh, you know was looking for just an interesting outlook into another aspect of what it's like growing up in in this country um Yeah, but uh yeah, so you know, it's not it's not like um I'm not gonna say it's like fun and stuff, but uh it, it's a, it's really well done. It's mm-hmm. one of the best autobiographies I've ever read, I think. That's awesome. Um, That's great. And you know me, I don't read a lot of nonfiction, no, no. especially comics, but I I kept getting recommended this by a few people. And so I was like, All right, I'm gonna do it. I got my hands on it and I'm hoping we can get him on the podcast because I think you know, we met him in Seattle. He was yeah. a really cool guy. Really and nice. I remember going buy his booth to buy it but i think he was out of books he was just like selling some prints and doing some signatures at the time so um it'll be really good to kind of like pick his brain now that i've actually read the book Mm -hmm. Um, because i'm curious to see how he tackled some of his subjects because you know like his parents struggled with addiction issues and then his like mom at one point gets really sick um and so like i just want to figure out like i talked to him about like how do you take all these like very personal things and convey them down into a graphic novel for the right. world to you right. know, ingest? It's right. it's super impressive. I couldn't do it. I wouldn't want it to put, you know, I, yeah. I, I don't know if I could do it. So um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, that's what I'm reading right now. Not, it's not as fun as Knight Rider or a team, but um, uh, it's good. It's really well done. I, I highly recommend it. If um you might cry. I'm just going to throw that out there. You might cry. There's some stuff in there where you're like, oh, man, this poor dude. Like, yeah. this poor kid. Um, it, it, if you like Reservoir do- or Reservoir Dogs or Reservation Dogs, the TV show that's coming out right now, I would say this is um, this is this is very much in tune with that. Like, it's a it's a pretty good it's mm-hmm. a it's a good read. So, but yeah, that's uh, that's that's all that's all I'm reading right now. All right. Well. Why don't I, uh, since, you know, we've gone, we've gone down the line, why don't I uh, take us home? All right. Sounds good. All right, Tiger Cubs. Uh, thank you again for tuning in and, and listening to the show. Uh, if you want to find out more about Blue Tiger Revenge, all you got to do is go to our sub stack, uh, the home of Blue Tiger Revenge and Operation Blue, uh, and that is bluetigerrevenge.substack.com. From there, you can sign up, do a, sign up as a subscription. It's 100% free. Uh, and every time we drop a new episode, every time we post a new page, uh, it goes straight to your inbox. You don't even have to search for it. It's quick. It's easy. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at blue tiger revenge. Find us there as well. Uh, and then finally, uh, want to thank our guest, David Silva for coming on the show. Um, go back that Kickstarter right now. Cyberzoic. It's there. The figures are absolutely incredible. Um, I can't wait to see it when they when we actually get them in person. So, David, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Yeah, great. Thank, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's been fun. Absolutely, yeah, this, is, this is good to hang. Yeah, and uh, you know, check if you're not sure where to where to look, uh, where you can find Cyberzoic. Uh, just check out the write up for the paste for the for this episode. It'll be right there for you. you. Just click on it. It's there. Order the cool figures that you want to get. And, uh, you know, after a little bit of time, they'll be there. 
right at your doorstep. So that is all I have, Tad. Do you have anything else? I am all out of tiger milk, my friend. Well, if that's the case, what time is it? Hit the music.